The Space God Memoirs. Season 2, Episode 31. The Atra throbbed within me as I strode down the halls of the Amatherium, past perfectly symmetrical corridors of polished gold, tinged with a subtly rosy hue. Energy was coursing through my veins, enlivening my body and spirit, a gift from Zarathra, transferred with a kiss. Nevertheless, I tried to keep a cool head as I walked through the living quarters, passing lovely garden patios and fountain-inlaid terraces that stood outside the Nyar's personal rooms. Occasionally, one of the other Nyar would walk into view, preoccupied look on their eyes as they marched off, probably to do their jobs defending the fortress or planning the attack on the Vare. Alongside them marched numerous Nentael, the Leonin-helmed guardians rushing towards the various docking bays of the Amatherium. An orange light blinked continuously in the halls, notifying the whole base of a high alert. I knew I wasn't supposed to be out here. That glassy stick Savaharthus had ordered me to remain in my quarters until all this was over. Those uptight folks would probably punish me with more Atra debt if I was caught, or lower my virtue rankings. But I'd be scragged if I was going to remain in my room moping while they engaged in some utterly stupid war. Not while I was the only capable stealther in the sector, and could end all this without a fight. And I knew that none of them would notice me anyway. I wasn't invisible. Nope, that cost too much Atra. It's just that the Nyar walking down the hall didn't notice me. I didn't stand out. They saw me. They just saw me as someone who was supposed to be there. Someone whose unassuming face didn't trigger any memories. Didn't set off an alarm. I may as well have been one of the many holographic people that wandered around the station. Scrag, it felt good to be a stealther. I mentally thanked whatever ancient version of myself had developed these talents. I stifled that pride as I walked by a group of three Nyar in pilot's uniforms, waiting by the entrance to one of the fortress's conveyor belts. I had to keep my thoughts low, my energy restrained, or else that inconspicuous aura might just drop. Among that group, I noticed Demania's bald, yellow head. I wondered if she'd be heading to the battlefront as an attack pilot, and if Jabir would be there too. But I didn't stay to ask her. Instead, I walked past the group and set foot on the conveyor belt. I knew where I had to go. Tertiary hangar was my mental command to the conveyor belt system. Immediately, I could see the halls whiz by me as the floor pulled me across the length of the fortress doors melting out from the walls to allow me passage. A final door opened, revealing my destination, the tertiary hangar, located on one of the lower floors of the space fortress. I gazed into the docking area whose floor was absent in the middle, revealing a shielded view of the stars just under the amatherium. I counted only 18 starships docked here, mostly cubes and octas, 
a smattering of people-sized tetrahedron drones and set into charging stations that hung from the ceiling. There were a few people here, in the process of boarding some of those ships. Of course, they paid me no attention. This was where I needed to be. The tertiary hangar was the least used one, containing only some backup vessels. I figured it wouldn't have a fraction of the people as the others. I'd get out of here without being noticed, questioned, or stopped. So I strode onward, ignoring some of the lion-headed Nentail warriors off to my left, who were marching towards the lit-up cube transport. Briefly scanning the ship selection, I made my decision. There was nothing too flashy here, and that was a good thing. I briefly considered taking one of the Octas and somehow getting into its mind and hacking it, convincing the thing that I wasn't really Kef, and was someone who was supposed to take off in it and leave the Amatherium. I was sure the Fortress computers would notice me doing that, though, and probably alert command. Too many factors. I thought of a simpler solution. I began nonchalantly walking towards the activated cube the Nentail were loading themselves into. Inserting myself into their marching order, I kept my low-level stealth mind, walking and acting like I was one of them. None of the bulky, feline-faced soldiers even gave me a glance. I wasn't even sure what the Nentail were. Robots, clones, or just some really clueless folks. Either way, they let me march behind them and into the cube. Soon, I was within the transport's brightly lit interior, and was able to break off from the line of Nentail as they walked to the various posts inside it. Stepping into the cube's mini hangar, I saw exactly what I was looking for. An octahedron fighter with an unassuming hull of subtle green. Two more vessels sat beside it. A conical ship like the one Demania flew, and a two-person teardrop-shaped craft. But old green would do. It was just a matter of waiting for the right moment. I leaned up against the silvery metal wall of the transport, still in my stealth mind. In the background, I could hear the last of the Nentail boarding, and soon the clunk of their heavy metal boots subsided. Moments later, the interior lights shifted, and a subtle vibration across my skin indicated that the ship had fully turned on. Burge, give me some help here, I sent a thought within. I could tell the cube was hovering now. Try to determine when we're a good enough distance from the Amatherium for me to leave without being detected. Yup, got it. Cube ship's average speed, distance from the Amatherium to the eye. I'll start counting down and let you know when we can get out of here. Burge's mind had always operated on numbers and measurements, an engineer at his core, unlike me. Shortly after that, and I could feel us starting to move, the engines exuding a slight hum. Burge began his mental countdown as I stood in the relatively silent hangar bay, eyeing the Octa. Tenseness was building up in my shoulders as I leaned against the wall. I found myself tapping that wall nervously, counting down the moments until it was safe to get off this cube. There was a little part of me that still wasn't sure about this. I was stealing a ship from my allies, sneaking into the enemy's high-security base to heist the blueprints for Doc Muntaki's hyper-shift engine. It felt dumb, in a way. Almost suicidal. But the Vare were building some kind of super weapon with those blueprints. And I wasn't at all confident that the Nyar's Amatherium really stood a chance against the full might of the enemy fleet at Aruvis. Their attack seemed more like a last-ditch effort to stop the Vare before they built something truly nasty. With the Nyar throwing their lives away, 
Could the cloning chambers help them all come back to life if the Vair seized the Emetherium and took them over? I wasn't sure about any of that, but I knew I had to take the chance. No use in being detained in my quarters when I, of all people, could do something. You have to go ahead, came a message from Burge a few minutes after we'd started moving. Nobody challenged me as I approached the octahedron, mentally triggered its doorway, and stepped inside. The lights activated in an anticipatory yellow, revealing the sparse cabin within. Only a pilot's chair and a simple cot in the back. Just like Z's octa, but colored differently. I shut the door, sat in the chair, and reached my mind out to the ship. I connected with it, still careful to keep my thoughts subdued. These individual ship minds were easy enough to trick, and in seconds I was fully linked with this one. Mentally turning on my view screen, I could now see out into the hangar. There, three feline-helmed silver soldiers were already marching in, getting ready to board their individual fighters. Among them was one of the actual Nyar, a flat-faced, brown-skinned fellow with huge floppy ears. My heart jumped. I knew they couldn't see me through my view screen, but I was sure the ship I was currently stealing was meant for one of them. I had to act quick. Big ears stopped as the others approached their vessels. A wide door sprung into existence on the outer hull of the ship. The exit. Big ears looked my way, and I imagined that some part of him could sense me there. The stolen octa, or else he could tell it was on. I lifted off and zoomed for the opening. All thoughts of big ears and being discovered dissipated as I once more saw the expanse of space around me. The cube transport disappearing amid the hundreds of other vessels gathered among the stars. Before me raged a battle. Plasma shots erupted from fighter vessels. Beams shining in green, red, blue, and yellow. Aruvus was so close I could see the contours of its ruddy red mountains and the formations of clouds drifting above them. Its beauty was marred by the eye, that black metal urchin which encased the entire moon. Just looking at it, I could once more feel its oppressive pull, like the dread of a night terror. There, ships poured from its various docking bays, the Viglay and other fighters emerging from the satellite's outer spines like enormous swarms of bugs. They were met by the incoming wave of Nyar craft that shimmered in metallic hues, lustrous collections of perfect geometries all guided by a singular mind. I paused as the cube and the rest of the Nyar fleet fell behind me. There I drifted, looking at that raging battle from just outside it, the lights flashing as ships shot and were shot, exploding and imploding, debris cascading across the skies. I felt a brief urge to simply leave. I could do it. I had a ship. I had enough Atra in my system to get me a good distance away from here. Images flashed through my mind of the infinite worlds I could visit. What I wanted was freedom. I didn't have to be a part of any of this. The Nyar or the Veyr or their wars. What did wars matter anyway when people were immortal? No, I stopped that train of thought. This one did matter, I told myself. Or rather, stopping it was what mattered. Sure, the bad guys had taken over my homeworld. They were building a doomsday device with blueprints that were meant for peace, for free energy tech that promised to change society. Maybe they'd test that weapon on Aruvis and its people. But I knew damn well that a full-scale battle was not the best solution. 
Not when I had Sumatra in my system. Unlike most of the Nyar members, I could end this without much bloodshed. That's why I was out here. To sneak into their headquarters and take those blueprints back. Before the idiot Veyer could make a weapon of them, or get them blown up in the attack. Z had to have guessed I'd do this. That's why she gave me her Atra. So I could succeed. I kinda wished she was here by my side. But I knew she was saddled with all kinds of conflicting loyalties. She was in far deeper with the Nyar than I was. Zerothra had to follow all those rules. She had something to lose, but not me. I was a lowly initiate with an Atra debt. All my life as Kef, I had been a runner, a coward. Even among the Nyar, I was always getting saved, letting other folks do the hard work while I stumbled towards success. Enough of that. I gave myself a grin as I activated forward thrust and drifted towards the Eye of the Gods. I kept to the outskirts of the fighting, broadcasting a heavier stealth field around my ship as I coasted forward in the direction of the enemy fortress. I dodged hundreds of small fighters like my own, zipping and twisting about the skies as they blasted one another. Nyar tetrahedron drones flew across the space in tight formations, many acting as a single unit as they surrounded the slug-like Veyer Clatanth battleships. The enemy Vigle swarmed in seemingly chaotic patterns, looking like some accursed crustaceans. Zooming forward, I beheld a trio of huge flagships at the forefront of the Nyar wave. Twelve-sided craft whose hulls gleamed in resplendent gold, each face lined in intricate flowing sigils. The dodecahedrons turned on their axes as they surged ahead of the fleet, each of them exuding visible energy fields, trailing like comets' tails in their wake. Just beyond the Twelve-Siders waited the densest of the Veyer horde. A wall of throbbing, pulsing, living vessels floating between myself and the eye. From my left there was a bright flash of light. One of the Nyar flagships ramming a Veyer cruiser and dissolving the smaller vessel in its radiant field. Hundreds of smaller Veyer fighters swarmed from behind it, attempting to engulf the Twelve-Sider. I noped right out of there and flew to my right where the mass of ships looked a tad thinner. Still, I could feel the pressure increasing as I flew through the enemy fleet. Countless forms zipping by me, ships of varying sizes and shapes, whose designs resembled crustaceans or arachnids, graceful winged beings or squirming monstrosities of the nether dark. Sometimes I could feel their sensors on the edges of my awareness, the ships and their pilots reaching out. Their thoughts brushed my own, and I realized just how close I was to being discovered. One uncontrolled feeling, and someone would realize I was there. I made sure my stealth mind was steady, and my emotions even, as I coasted in the space between the throng. A few times it seemed like I had been spotted. One of the Veyer's ships would start to turn towards where I was. But then I coasted past like nothing had happened. Of course, they had no time to pay attention to me. The Nyar wave was fast approaching. My rear vision showed them careening towards the Veyer ship wall, the skies alit with the glow of war. It loomed enormous before me. The Veyer's satellite base, the immense black spiky thing that Aruvis's natives had dubbed the Eye of the Gods. Its energy was heavy, oppressive. I remembered it from my other flights. A crushing feeling combined with a heavy pull. 
drawing both my attention and my vessel towards it. I suppose that, in a way, it really was where the gods had watched Aruvis from, and where they processed the soul energy of the people to get their precious Atra. Lord Gurvath himself dwelt within the walls of that place, who the locals still worshipped as their chief deity. I wondered if I'd have to face him inside. Even with surprise, I wasn't confident I could take him down. I'd seen what that freaky scragger had been capable of doing down in the lab. But the Vare were no more gods than I was, whatever power they might have held. From this close, I could see the details of the fortress, each spike-shaped wing like a city unto itself, the whole structure honeycombed in docking bays that were still spewing out hordes of living ships. From its central spherical hub shone a red light, glaring like the eye the fortress had always been likened to. Below it, a larger docking bay was open. The fortress's pull was strong now, and just like before, I could feel it bringing my ship ever closer. But this time I let it, making sure to keep my thoughts low and sneaky. There was a vessel emerging from the eye's central docking bay, like an immense cluster of semi-translucent bubbles all bunched together, its soapy green form reflecting the light of the sun. Within I could see the faint forms of crew members, all stationed on the insides of that weird bubble ship. I shook my head. The Vare were a bunch of wackos, probably designing their ships like that just to creep people out. I steered clear of that thing, of course, but drifted around it towards the docking bay it was emerging from. I sped up as I drew closer, right before the great opening to the eye's central bay. This was my chance. The shields had to have come down to let that abomination through. Before they could come back up again, I flew in, just as the large bubble ship was departing. A yawning port opened up before me, black and cavernous, the ridged walls looking like the mouth cavity of some titanic beast. About it, more of the Vare behemoths were parked, Eight Clatinth with their slug-like forms, sides covered in feelers, along with hundreds of Vigle, some of them empty of pilots, their chitin shells docked in alcoves along the walls. Fizar soldiers marched throughout the area, some boarding the various vessels, others loading things into them, or waiting for commands. The place was a total cluster scrag. I made sure to push a bit more Atra into the ship's stealth, otherwise I knew I'd be seen. Coasting over the other ships in the docking area, I spotted an ideal landing site. Near the back of the big chamber stood a bulging mound of flesh that I thought might have been one of the Vare transports, a broken one. Nobody was around it, probably too busy with the impending attack to think about repairs. I landed the Octa just behind it, hoping the thing would provide enough cover to conceal my fighter. But as I touched down and began to sever my connection to the ship's mind, I knew it wouldn't remain unseen for long. A Nyar fighter craft inside the Vare base would stand out like a gem in a junk pile, and the alarm would soon be raised. Sadly, I hadn't learned to turn starships permanently invisible just yet. I'd have to be quick about it, if I was planning on getting out of here. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Space God Memoirs. Space God is written, performed, and produced by A.M. Arctos. Original musical score by Alpha Colors. Various sound effects created by Industrial Strength Records Incorporated. Please support this podcast by following, rating, and sharing on your favorite social media site. 
For further info on Space God, its creator, and various other opinions, musings, and thoughts, go to www.spacegodmemoirs.com or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. If you enjoyed the Space God Memoirs, please consider supporting us by becoming a patron. Check out the Patreon link in our description to learn more.